Hello and welcome. My name's David Heiner. I'm with Paul Harris from Real Success Today. Hi, Paul. Good morning, David. And you're going to be seeing a little bit and hearing a little bit from us over the next 12 months or so. The two of us are going to help you become more effective, more resilient, and hopefully give you some ideas about how you can change the business you're running to make it more effective. And, as Paul would say, become a happy farmer. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try and make it light. We've got some amazing people to interview for you. But but also, actually, Paul, he's all right. You know, he's got he's got something up here. <laughs> and he's he's worked with how many farms would you say, Paul, oh, by now? Gosh, probably four or five hundred, something like that. Four or five hundred. Yeah. And... I don't think there's ever been a time in my life, and I'm in my mid-50s, where farming is now going to come under the spotlight with food security. Um, what do they call it? When, with the, the government funding and sponsorship of farming uh, becoming less and less. Uh, us having to now be more independent in the food that we grow and stop relying on imports and export with the European crisis, the Ukraine crisis. And also then, then there's the manpower issues. Mm -hmm. You employing and recruiting. These are the kind of things that are going to affect you and your business and your farm and your animals and your family over the next few years in ways that perhaps you've never had to experience before. So we're going to try and help you a little bit. Um, why, why should you listen to us? Paul, why, why, why should we listen to you? What, what's your expertise here? So, uh, Real Success, my business, is a business that helps farmers to manage the whole people life cycle. So, we are a specialist just in the people area, so we can't help with the government funding right now, I'm afraid, David. Uh, we can't help necessarily with some of the macro issues. So, we're very much more about the micro issues on farm, from helping you to recruit your staff more effectively than to retain them and develop them as whilst they're with you. So, we're really trying to address the sustainability of the labour force in farming uh, and I've been doing that now for uh, 10 years in farming 14 years in business uh, but I've been working extensively with agriculture uh, for over 10 years David. Um, why did you get involved in that? In agriculture I fell into agriculture really it was um, my background actually is sales marketing communication helping people to uh, work together more effectively um, and I was asked once uh, years ago when Business Link was still going to run a workshop so, so if those of you out there who know how long uh, long ago Business Link were going I did a workshop on communication skills uh, and there was somebody in the room who is mentioned in the book that I've written recently, uh, and they said that would really help us on farm. I went down to a farm in my corporate suit, expecting to, you know, have a training room. And how, a, how did that work out for and you? Projector. <laughs> <laughs> and I turned up in this uh, farm, which shall remain nameless, but it was a shoot room, actually. Uh, no screen. And these people all came in smelling rather odd. Uh, it was a livestock farm. Uh, the rest is history. So I quickly discovered that farming needs some support and help all forms of agriculture, whether you're a dairy farmer, poultry, beef, uh, horticultural. Labour issues are one of the biggest challenges that the industry has. So mm. my business very quickly pivoted. That was a word that came out in um, COVID, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, pivoted into just focusing on helping farmers to manage and develop their people more successfully. And we're probably the only, not probably, we definitely are, as, I'm a farmer, as far as I'm aware, the only business in the UK that focuses purely on people in agriculture. Wow. That, and that's a good, unique selling point, if ever there was one. Yes, indeed. Um, for, for my part... I'm ashamed to say 
you're looking at someone who, for the first 30 years of his life, strived for and achieved nothing at all. Mediocrity at best was mine, and I grabbed it with both both arms. Uh, I woke up at the age of 30 having realised that actually it wasn't my lack of brain power or attitude that was stopping me. It was the fact that I was a little bit immature and I'm just a little bit afraid of having a go. I was more afraid of failing than I wanted to succeed. And it was me, not other people, that was holding me back. But the problem is I, I didn't know how to set goals. I didn't know how to think and behave more effectively. I was running a little catering business. Uh, that's where I get my Kung Fu Panda physique from. <laughs> um, and it was doing, it, we were very good at what we did, but it wasn't growing. It should have been at least eight, nine, ten times bigger than it should have been. And I was the problem. I wouldn't delegate and I was a control freak micromanaging the business. And I'm sure none of you do that, do you? <laughs> do you come across that at all <laughs> on the farms there, Paul? I'm chuckling because uh, I, I think anybody out there that's a business owner or even a farm leader, farm manager will suffer, if that's the right word, from what David described as that sort of uh, lack of delegation <laughs> disease. You know, the control freak, the people that think nobody can do it quite like we can do it, which actually is, is actually true. You know, no one can necessarily do exactly what we do, but learning the art of letting go was, I think, one of the things I do see yeah. a lot in farming. One of the interesting things about agriculture as well is that uh, people don't tend to use the, the R word is not allowed, retirement. So often what happens is people will continue to work for yeah. generations and generations. And often you've still got grandfather. I've not met a great grandfather yet, I don't think, working on a farm. But often granddad, uh, dad. We're, we're going to get emails now, you know. We are, aren't we? We're going to get great, grand, great grandfathers. Great send, grandfather. us, send us your photos of you on the farm. Which is, in a sense, gives the, the industry a, a fantastic longevity but it does sometimes people often struggle to let go which I think is what you're describing in, in your business well what I was doing is effectively what Paul's just said and to give it a farming metaphor I was paying people to sweep the yard and then going and sweeping it myself afterwards <laughs> that's how much of a control freak and micromanager <laughs> I was so as a bizarre hobby don't worry Paul it's clean and legal <laughs> my bizarre hobby then was traveling around the world interviewing really successful men and women. I only ever intended it to help me learn how to become more effective. But the more I learned and the more I was hearing that what they were saying was very similar, I started to apply it. And for the first time in my life, started to achieve some pretty cool stuff. Then other people started asking me if I'd go and present it to their team or to their church or to their youth group. And I was going, no, 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 I'm not a speaker. I wonder how many of you out there, the thought of giving a presentation in public would, would kill you. <laughs> and, um, and so I realised that I had to learn how to present information if I was going to help other people to learn how to set goals. So I am a researcher I'm a professional speaker, trainer, facilitator, and I've worked with probably about 1.2 million delegates over the last 23 years all over the world, ranging from students in high school right up to chief execs of big companies. Now, I'm not going to try and tell you how to run your business, but with Paul's expertise in man management and human being potential, and my experience and expertise in how really effective people think and behave, the two of us and our interview top achieving guests in your industry, I think we can help each other, don't you? So, without further ado, uh, go and grab a coffee, or if you're in the tractor, 
just put your he headphones in and make sure you're safe, okay? And <laughs> let, let's have a little bit of a dive into what we're going to do on these sessions. So let's tell you just a little bit about what you're going to be getting on these sessions with Paul, myself and our Top Achiever guests. We spoke to um, an awful lot of people and an awful lot of farmers to find out some of the issues that are affecting you right now. We had an overwhelming response in terms of um, diversity, maybe becoming an attraction farm. Even hydroponics was discussed. We marketing, even accounting, administration, manpower. Manpower came up a lot. Man management, employment, all of this kind of stuff, which which is why I got him involved because <laughs> he's the clever one. No, think brains, brawn. You're on the right track here. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. We shall see. Bear in mind, we're both Brummies. Both Brummies. Sorry about that. Yeah. Sorry about that. We will try to hide our accents. <laughs> so uh, if you think we slip into Peaky Blinder at any point, just forgive us. So so we're, we're going to look at lots of different things from even even marketing of the farm to, to uh, accounting finance. We're going to interview experts in their field. But also, that's about the business. These sessions are going to be about you as the farmer and the leader of your family, your farm and your business. So we want to help you to become the best version of yourself that you can. So even though some of you, like me being a Brummie, would have said 10, 15 years ago that this is fluffy woolly, Dave, <laughs> bit nonsense, why are you telling us? This is going to be about your well-being, your resilience, your levels of self-confidence, motivation and managing our own attitudes. Because, as mentioned before, there's a chance that your industry are going to become the next political football, right in line with the police, the NHS, education sector, etc. For the issues we discussed earlier. So it's important that you're ready. That we don't react to situations that we've actually prepared for them and have a solid plan and a direction for your family, yourself and your farming business to go down. What would you say about that, Paul? I think you're absolutely right, David, that the, the, the macro environment that we're operating in, and every generation would say this, wouldn't they, that there's something new for our generation to cope with. And, yeah. you know, whether it's climate change, uh, that the pressure on us as farmers to, to take care of the land, which is where the government in the UK are encouraging us to look after our land and going to pay us now through that methods rather than necessarily the basic payment systems we had before. So the world is changing. It's changing dramatically. The world of labour, the world that, that I operate in, for farming in particular, has changed dramatically with things like Brexit. We didn't have that on the cards a few <laughs> years ago. You know, yeah. so that suddenly changed the whole yeah. dynamic of the labour pool that we can we can dip into. So change is something that we know, without being too cliched about it, is constant. And we're going to hopefully help people to manage their way through that change process as well. There's, there's a wonderful old quote that some of you may have heard of before, that if you always do what you've always done, you will always only ever get the same results you've always got. And it used to be a truism. By that I mean you can't argue with it. It's true. You have to think and behave differently to get a better result. But actually, it's a bit worse than that these days, because if we keep only doing the same things, systems, processes, way of running the farm, way of managing people, the land, our animals, if we only ever do the same things we've always done, you're not even going to get the same things you always got. 
because of the pace and the relentlessness and inevitability of the change that's coming in your industry. And indeed, let's face it, it's already started. I think you'd change that phrase, wouldn't you? If you do what you've always done, you'll go backwards. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. it's as simple as that really because the the world is changing so fast in so many different ways uh, and particularly one of the challenges I often see on farms is the next generation do want to change things and the existing generation maybe my generation maybe yours uh, we don't like change because a lot of people don't like change there's the old-fashioned phrase isn't there the only people that like change are babies in dirty nappies other than that (laughs) none of us particularly like change but we've got to embrace it and hopefully this program will give some tools and techniques for uh, for you out there to help you manage that change yeah so true we we want to give you a little more confidence certainty and conviction a friend of mine in the speaking world, Mr. Nigel Risner, he's got this great quote. Let me quote Uncle Nigel for you. He says that most people think or assume they're afraid of failing. And he says it's not true. And by the way, I have checked with psychologists and they reckon this is absolutely true. He said it's not true that you fear failure. What we fear is uncertainty. Can I ask you to consider times in your farming business or your personal life where you wanted to make a massive change but you didn't. Now, if you would have had in that situation absolute certainty, confidence and conviction about what to do, why you should be doing it, how to do it and what the outcomes might be and the potential consequences, you'd have been more likely to have had a go. Think of moments where you didn't or did take action and you probably did take action when you had that level of certainty, confidence and conviction to back up all of our fragile egos. So we're going to be interviewing experts, we're going to be sharing advice, information. If you only take one thing from each session and apply it to yourself, your family, your business, your farm, your land, your animals, then we think you're going to get huge value from staying with us for a while. You can get in touch with us and please tell us what it is you want to hear, what you've enjoyed, what you don't enjoy, apart from our droning Bromley accents. We can't do anything about that. And we're looking forward to working with you. So, Paul, let's get into the meat of this first session. And rather than interview an expert, I want... Sorry, (laughs) you know what I mean by that. I'm not saying you're not an expert. Rather than interview one of our special guests... um, Our extra special guests. I (laughs) I want to dig really deep into your specific area of expertise, which is man management. Um, Now... There are lots of gaps in a farmer's development. Sometimes then they've got no business acumen. Maybe they've never learned how to run a business. It's, it's, you know, I'm sure all the farmers listening to this have got a far better grasp of um, animals, land, agriculture, plant machinery and property than you or I. But in your experience of working with over 400 different farms, what do you believe is the most significant skill or knowledge gap that farmers are facing right now, and especially when it comes to actually managing the farm. Yeah, so uh, now you might think this is an obvious thing for me to say, given the fact that my business is around people, but certainly in all the conversations that we have with farmers, 
and what farmers tell us is when they're together and they're talking about their biggest challenges, it's always people, it's staff. It's how do we find staff? How do we keep them? And that's often the thing that keeps people awake at night. Yes, you've got your, your, your financial pressures, particularly in 2023, in 2022, where we've had these huge cost rises in a lot of uh, uh, materials that the farmers are purchasing, feed in particular and fertilizer. Those are certainly keeping us awake, but what farmers tell us is their biggest challenge is what do I do with these bags of water? Call people, you know, it's how do I get the best out of them? And that actually includes family <laughs> members as well at times. These bags of bags water. Bags of water, we are, aren't we? <laughs> we are, what is it, 90% water or something? Indeed, yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, but that actually includes family members as well. You mm. know, some of the challenges we can have are how do we integrate a family member, a, a son or a daughter that's maybe moved away for a while, bring them back in. So, the biggest challenge, I believe, is how do we get the best out of the people that are working on our farms? Even if we're in a small farm, and even if you're a very small farm where it's just you and a partner, how do you get your best out yourself? So it still comes back to uh, how do we, again, using this phrase, bags of water, how do we get the best out of the people that are on our farms and working with us? That's the biggest challenge, I think. Now, we can't stop Brexit. We can't stop the issues around bringing in people from the continent to help on the farms we can't do anything about that ourselves but it's far easier to keep and look after and motivate a member of staff than to find a new one mm-hmm. so again from from your point of expertise what's the most common reason why individuals would resign from farming employment it's a really good question and it's actually something i talk about right at the beginning of, of a session that i run i often ask the question so why do you think people leave a farming business hmm. um and the answer that comes back is is actually quite disturbing so uh you would think it would be <laughs> you know and some of the answers might be for more money it might be i'm dissatisfied there's two reasons people leave a farm by the way some are positive two reasons two sets of reasons the first set is very positive I leave a farm for career development. Uh, It could be a partner's moving job. I need to move around. So there's lots of positive reasons why people would potentially leave a farm. But what I'm really concerned about is what you would loosely call the negative reasons or the the less positive reasons. And those tend to be um, around things like working conditions. It could be working hours. It could be um, pay. It could be I don't like the house that I'm living in. But it's still not the biggest reason, Dave. What what, what is it then? the, The biggest reason people leave a farming business is us it's you it's me brummies the words brummies yes <laughs> if you've got brummies on the farm <laughs> it's, it's we get everywhere yeah it's actually us as the farm owner and it's the way specifically it's the way that we communicate with a member of staff right and if it isn't the farm owner it could be a colleague and the way that they talk or behave i just don't like the atmosphere i don't like working here because the way that i'm spoken mm-hmm. to so put simply in a sentence the main reason people leave a, a farming business is the way we speak to them simple as that and again tell me if i'm wrong but also i i see this when i work in business where it's either the way they're spoken to or some cases not spoken to. yes <laughs> sometimes there's just 
zero level of appreciation. One of our friends here, I, I live in Eccleshall, Staffordshire, in the middle of the Staffordshire, glorious Staffordshire countryside. And one of our friends worked on a dairy farm from being a kid right up until his late 40s. And he just had enough of the early mornings, or so he thought. And when he left to go and work at an, another business, it took him about 18 months, two years. But he's now gone back to the dairy farm where he worked before mm-hmm. because he missed the cows. Now, <laughs> he, you know, he just genuinely had this affinity with the animals mm-hmm. and he missed it terribly. But he said all, all it would have really helped if the farm owner would have perhaps communicated more, tell us what we were doing wrong, what we were doing right. But he actually didn't say a lot. Yeah, and we often hear this phrase um, on farms when we're, when we're talking to staff about lack of communication. The mm. biggest problem on this farm is lack of communication. Yeah. But you actually need to drill down into what people mean by lack of communication because for some people, yeah. and we'll talk perhaps about our different personality styles, for some people, they don't want to have long conversations. For other people, they do want to have a, a detailed conversation. For yeah. other people, they want you to talk about me and my family. And for other people, they're not really bothered about a conversation as long as it's good fun. So the, we've got to understand that the one size fits all in terms of communication doesn't work. And I think uh, certainly in my career, uh, and I'm you know the back end of my 50s now, um, if I'd known some of the things I know now at the beginning of my career, that actually not everybody I'm going to work with sees the world through my eyes. And therefore how I think and then how my thinking affects my behaviour that's not going to be the same with everybody that I meet. And there is this sort of subconscious desire, I think, when we go to work in the morning, I just want people to be like me. I want to be able to get on with people Mm, like me. I want to be able to communicate with people like me. And often we leave school. I know you do a lot of work in schools, Dave. You know, we often leave school not actually being equipped with the tools to know that people at work are not going to be like me. Some will be. And sometimes those are the ones I just click with and I get on with really well and others you just scratch your head and think why have you reacted like that to the way I've said something and that really is the nub of the communication issue and then we talk about quantity of communication and do we ever sit down and have staff meetings and things like that but actually it's generally the style of someone's communication more than the quantity of the communication that actually affects how well that communication is received. Oh that's that's I like that. Say that again. So it's actually the style. So the, the simple way to remem- remember it, it's not what we say, it's how we, how say, we it. say it. Yeah? yeah, and that you'll have heard your grandma or your, someone say that. Uh, and often a, a misunderstanding is that part of culture, certainly it's part of British culture, is treat other people as you wish to be treated. You've heard that phrase? Treat other people as you wish to be treated. Now, from a respect and manners perspective, that works really well. The challenge is when we think about how we communicate with each other, it doesn't work. You don't want someone to talk to you in the way that you want to be spoken to. That's the respect thing. Actually, in communication terms, we need to speak to others in the way that they want to be spoken to. And that's different potentially to us or can be different to us. And once we can grasp this skill by understanding people's personality styles in particular, we can start to flex our communication style to meet the needs of the person we're speaking to. And that simple thing, that simple shift, that first step of making that change can be utterly transformational. We're going we're gonna to drill into this, if, if not in this session, certainly in another mm-hmm. one, we're going to drill into that a bit deeper. And if, if anybody's listening or watching this now, if you doubt what Paul's just told you, 
about how we all perceive things differently. Just try this as a, as a little game one day with, with your team or indeed your family or friends in the pub on Sunday lunchtime. Think of something and ask everybody to either write or draw their interpretation of that thing. So um, in training and development, typically the thing is either money or something like cheese and biscuits or <laughs> um, farming. But, and say, what... What image, what perception do you have of that word or phrase? And whatever comes to mind, I guarantee most, if not everybody, will have something completely different. So if, Paul, I was to ask you, what image comes to mind when you think of cheese and biscuits? A block of cheddar and a packet of... uh, a, a mixed bag of crackers. So... A block of cheddar and a mixed bag of crackers. For me, especially being a former chef, I think of an elaborate cheese board on a beautiful wooden oak polished cheese board. It's got a fresh piece of Stilton, my favourite, Shropshire Blue, a nice mature Somerset Brie, a little bit of cheddar just for pork because I know what he's like, <laughs> and some little thin washed thin strips of celery, a nice bunch of seedless red, sweet red grapes, and a basket with a red napkin in and a little full of biscuits and a little pot of butter you see everybody's going to have a different perception it'll be the same with farming money how you speak to people how you ride a tractor how you do the fencing how you pull taut the barbed wire on the top of the fence everything in your life and business everybody has got their own interpretation of what's true in that situation so I think, and please tell me if I'm wrong, Paul, what I'm getting here is that we don't just have to be careful what we say. We have to understand who we're saying it to and bear in mind the style of our communication to get the best result. Absolutely. The other phrase I would use is words matter. Yeah. Words matter. So often people will use words to describe a situation, a person, and often people will say, oh, I don't like it when people just talk a load of fluff. And I say... What do you mean by fluff? Actually, that <laughs> word can mean different things to different people. Yeah. So yeah. somebody who yeah. wants you to get to the point quickly, fluff means anything that's not relevant to the subject. Somebody else could say, well, fluff means when you, when you get all emotional and all personal. That's, I don't need to know any of that. So even all the words that we use and how we use them are mean different things to different people. And the way that we use language and tone and body language, all these different factors will affect how a message is received. And this might sound like it's, a, it's, it's far more technical than it is. It isn't. It's really straightforward. Once you understand how your team are wired, then we can start to flex our communication style according to the person that we're talking to. Now, you don't have to be some sort of genius, some sort of Einstein to do this. There's some very simple tools you can use. Lots of them are out there to profile people, psychometric testing, personality profiling tools that can be used to help you, first of all, understand yourself. Because in all good communication and personal (laughs) development, understand self first. So an element of self-awareness of how we might come across to people. So we've laughed and joked about our Birmingham accents. People will actually make a judgment, even on the basis of your accent. It's true. So we've got to recognise how we're coming across to others first. Once we've done that, we can then understand how other people are wired for communication and thinking and behaviour. And then we can adjust as a management, in particular, managers and leaders, we have to go first. It's not a question of saying, well, look, oh, there's this big thing, David, about authenticity. Mm. Big word, buzzword, authenticity. It's about me being authentic. I totally agree with that. But it's not a hide behind. 
when we're talking about communication to, to our staff, we can't say, well, look, I'm just like this. You've got to deal with it. That's your problem to deal with that. I'm being authentically me because I speak quite directly. That's it. Deal with it. That's not, <laughs> you know, I think integrity is a bit beyond authenticity, which is saying the outplaying of that. So to be integrous, we've got to accept that everyone's got a communication style. And how do we how do we actually accept that and work with that? And then we're talking about what I call authenticity. That's in, uh, is also integrous. It's actually genuinely understanding that my style may not be right for somebody else. When, when we learn these simple tools, it can transform the morale, the effectiveness, and most importantly, the profitability of the business. As you know, I've just written a book called Happy Team, Happy Farm. Yeah, yeah. The principle being... That was a great plug. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? Yeah, little, happy, little... <laughs> happy Team, Happy Farm by <laughs> Paul Harris. Available on Amazon, yeah. Um, <laughs> but but the, the, the principle of the story is what we're talking about nowadays. Yeah, it's actually yeah. all about understanding that when you understand people are different, you alter your communication style slightly, magic can happen. Now, you've alluded to it there. But so in, in the specific context of the farm and the farmer, mm -hmm. the, the leader listening to this right now, why is it important that we speak to people differently? What, what's, the, what's the benefits to them? You've, you've highlighted a couple already. but yeah. So, I mean, the, the key thing is how, as, as a leader and a manager of the farm, we want to get as much as possible, don't we? out of our team yeah if the team are all performing at you know 100 percent of their uh, uh, ability and their capability then we're gonna we're gonna be more successful as farms and going right back to the the main reason people leave a farm and therefore the main reason people won't perform as well on a farm is simply the way we speak to them yes we've got to get other things right too and perhaps we'll talk about those another time the the working conditions and how we treat people and the hours and what their houses are like all those are important but again, you could put me in a, the best house on your farm. You could pay me the most money. You could give me lots of holiday. But actually, if you don't speak to me in a way that works for me, eventually my performance will drop. So it's about performance, effectiveness and profitability. Which in turn then would reduce stress. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, like it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And make more time. Yeah. That, that, precious commodity we're all striving for because yeah. I, I i there are some farmers who go to my church and i the ones i speak to say there's just no time to do anything you know what are your hobbies sleeping <laughs> yes. you know, sleeping dreaming about pigs or cows or the the arable crop or you know, so so it, all of this stuff gives you more time to be you yeah, and I think one of the challenges with, with the farming sector is that often our downtime still involves farming. So we'll go to Ooh. shows and exhibitions, discussion groups. Yeah. And actually, how can we get more out of our team is essential to allow us to do more of those things. Being able to delegate effectively, being able to give effective feedback to the team to make sure they're performing at their absolute best. Um, so this idea of understanding how we communicate is central, first of all. Okay, so let's just... Press pause and let people go and grab a, a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and a biscuit. Make sure it's a hobnob and dunk that bad boy, yeah? <laughs> Feet up on the desk and if anyone says what you're doing, just say Dave and Paul said to, right? Um, and then we'll come back because I want to ask you, you've talked about personality types. I want to know, because in my head there must be hundreds of personality types. Mm -hmm. So I want to know how many there are and what they are. No problem. Okay, so we'll catch you in a minute. <laughs> 